Hello, hello. This is Reality of Reality. I'm Aliza Rosen, a longtime TV producer and development executive. Every week on the podcast, I talk to interesting people in all aspects of unscripted content. Okay, so before we go into introducing my guests, I just wanted to, first of all, thank everybody for listening and sticking with the podcast. Now that I'm doing two days a week, I'm getting a lot of love and support for it more than usual, which I really appreciate. I'm also hearing from people that I don't know. And that's been something that's been pretty constant over the years since I started. And it's always very gratifying to hear and see people that are listening all over the world, most of whom I don't know, um, and some of whom I get to know after they reach out. So um, especially young people, and I talk about this a lot, that it really is meant to be, especially for people that are starting out their careers in unscripted as sort of inspiration to them and a roadmap to how they might map out their own careers. And I recently talked to a young woman on the phone who's thinking of switching careers, and I kind of gave her advice. And it made me think that one of the things I can do now, since I do have some extra time and I really want to feel like I'm giving back in some way, is um, talk to you. So if you need mentorship or advice, um, you're thinking of switching careers or you're stuck in the one you're in all again in TV, I don't really know anything about anything else. Um, Feel free to reach out to me. You can email me, aliza at ayr-media.com. You find me on social media as well. And I'm happy to to talk to you. So um, that's an open invitation. And again, I don't know that, you know, I, I always give my two cents, whether it helps or not. That's going to be up to you, but I'm happy to do it. Okay. Today is my part two of the conversation with unscripted producers in the time of COVID-19. This is a weird, unpredictable, often scary time for everyone, really, especially people working in an industry that depends on field work to make our shows. So how are companies coping with the new normal and what kinds of shows are selling now during the time of quarantine? And honestly, what will change going forward? How will this look? So first, I'm talking to Jody Flynn, who is the president of the content group here in Los Angeles. They have actually a new show premiering tonight on TNT, The Shack Life, which we're super excited about. Thank God that got in before it all got crazy. Hello, Jody. Hi, how are you? Good. I also wanted to wish you a happy anniversary because you and I spoke three years ago tomorrow. I just looked at that. Back. true? Yes. That's incredible. April 10th, 2017. So if anyone wants to go back. And we got to sit together. We actually did it in person then. We got to hug, touch. (laughs) The good old days. Crazy. That's so crazy. So yeah. So we had, so you want to hear more about. Of course. And, and Jody and I go deep into her background. So that's a great interview. I highly recommend people who haven't heard it to check it out. Today, we're a little bit more somber because we're talking about this crazy time. And I reached out to you because you're one of my favorite people in the industry. And I know that you guys are employing a lot of people and trying to figure all this out as we all are. So tell us a little bit about how things have shifted for you in the last month or so in the company. Um, Well, it's funny that you should thank you for mentioning Shack Life. Um, One of the things that we were able to do is in support of that show, um, we've been shooting bespoke interstitials 
with Shaq and other celebrities that are going to air across the night in support of the shows. And that's something that completely came about after we closed down the physical office and went completely remote. So um, we're doing a lot of things to be able to continue uh, projects like that, as well as continue with the shows that we have in production. Our ops team did a tremendous job of getting us set up really early. Um, we were able to get all of our editors remote. Um, all of Post is still up and running. Uh, development is still up and running. Um, obviously, we just like everybody else, we can't shoot. But um, doing a lot of uh, creative, looking for a lot of creative ways to get around that, um, shipping people cameras, doing Skypes, doing FaceTimes, just like everyone, and looking at working with some international companies in countries where um where things are getting better faster and sooner, whether it was because they were hit sooner or because they are smaller populations and managed it a bit better, where they can get out and shoot recreations and things like that. So really looking, you know, across the world to find ways to continue to make content. Wow, that's impressive. I know that you guys were ahead of the curve because I had coffee with Ryan Lochner, who works with you, <laughs> literally like a day before everybody shut down around March 11th, I think. And I know she had already had a task force that was working mm -hmm. on getting all the editors remote. And um, my friend works on History of Horror, which you guys produce. So I know that you did an amazing job of getting that entire operation remote before a lot of others were able to kind of catch up. Yeah, you know, and Ryan really does deserve the credit on that end. Um, she really spearheaded getting that all up and running and really had the vision to start it sooner than I think most people did. And, you know, just kudos to her. No knock on anybody else. She just really kind of thought coming and did a tremendous job. And that in turn has made development's job a little bit easier because I can go to all of our buyers and say, we're up and running. We've actually sold a couple of things in the last two weeks that are going to be relatively quick turns to air with, you know, anywhere from the next, you know, four months till the end of the year. Um, and I couldn't and are have done those that. things that are COVID proof? Yes. Yes. One is one that was already in the can for the most part. So we were able to put it together with a couple of, you know, some pickup audio. Um, and the other one is archive and remote interview. Wow. But, you know, there's no way I could go to, to our buyers and say, we can turn this for you had she not gotten ahead of the curve and gotten everything set up to be able to do it. So it really has been a, a, an all hands on deck. So that's congratulations. First of all, that's Thank huge you. to be able to Thank do you. that. We, we, we just want to keep people working. <laughs> I mean, you know, obviously we want to keep, you know, you, you want to keep business moving. And um, but the really the most important thing right at this moment is to keep as many of the people that we have in the building. Well, not physically in the building, but part of the family working. And we've been able to keep a majority of them. Um, and that really is at the forefront of what we're trying to do right at the moment. Um, that's the first piece of development that we're doing. And then, you know, obviously the second is to keep that pipeline full because this won't last forever. And so trying to, you know, balance quick turns of stuff we can sell quickly and get out there quickly, which is great. Um, but also not forgetting that we need to keep the beast of development fed because this will end not sooner than we think, but from a business standpoint, all of a sudden you're like, Oh wait, we sold a couple of things and we were worried, worrying about quick turns, but now we don't have the longer term thing. Um, and also trying to, we're trying to think of ideas that we can sell now that can be pre-produced now that you can literally be ready to go shoot that aren't shoot heavy, that don't need large crews, that don't, 
need four months where you can literally go and, you know, if we have a month where we can shoot before perhaps we're quarantined again for a short amount of time, we can go shoot everything we need for a season of something and then come back and be in post. And so those, those are a lot of the ideas we're trying to think about and the different production models for the ideas that we have to try to make them doable over the next, you know, 12 to 18 months without having to stop down if there are other issues. Yeah, it's like a big complicated puzzle, right? Because just like you said, we don't know if this is the end. And even if production starts up again, it's like I'm hearing the magical date is July 1st for some reason, you know, then will it shut down again in September or October? It's just so many question marks and you just have to keep pivoting to adjust, right? You totally do. And there's a lot of shows that really, if you think them through, um, as long as the networks or your, your streaming buyers are willing to partner it, and our experience thus far is that they get it and they do want to partner and figure out ways to do shows in, in ways they haven't before, like allowing FaceTime or Skype interviews to air. We, we've never really done that unless it was, uh, you know, specifically a home video or something like that. Um, but there are shows that, you know, could have a full crew, but that could also be self-shot or fix Rick. So just looking at, you know, different models. So things hopefully don't get shut down completely again, the way they did this time. But I will say that I think that I think unscripted in general has done a tremendous job of being nimble and pivoting. And we have that ability in the way that just it's scripted just can't. It's just because the models are different, obviously, and we do different things. But I think people forget how nimble we can be. And I think you're starting to really see that um, in the community as we deal with this. You're so right. Even just like the talk shows that I'm watching, like the daily show and watch what happens live, they can get away with, you know, watching zoom as an entire show or Skype. I mean, we couldn't watch Ozark like that. I mean, I'm stating the no, obvious. You, you never tolerate that. Right. You know, if the shot's a little blurry of Jimmy Kimmel, everyone goes, eh, well, right. you know, it's okay. You know, some dog runs through a kid. It's all it's <laughs> right. okay because it's real. And it's kind of interesting I just to be able to consume content in a different way. And I wonder if when this is all over, that will shift how we even develop and create shows. Have you thought about that or are you just too weighed down and everything? No, we have. And I think that you'll definitely, look, it's going to change the entire world, I think. And I think for us, it will definitely change the way we approach things as we, you know, have dealt for years now with tighter budgets and shorter timelines and all those things. Like, do we really need to travel all the time? Is, you know, can we create, it will, my guess is there will be even better technology on top of FaceTime and Skype and things like that. Can we do interviews more remotely? And there's certain kinds you never want to do that way because being face-to-face gives you a much more emotional connection to the person you're interviewing. But if you just need a pickup or if you just need something really simple, like I, I do think that it will change how we approach those things because maybe you don't have to have that additional layer of cost and time. Um, and also how much space we have. I think we, you know, as production companies, we're always challenged to not commit to renting equipment because shows come and they go and you don't know what's going to happen. Um, and I think we're seeing that people really can work remotely very effectively. So I, I think we may see more of that in the future as well. Have you had any shows that were in production before this started that you had to pull the plug on? We have not. Knock on we wood. haven't. We've been mostly, most of it was shot. We do have some shows that, um, like I said, need recreations done. Um, but we think we're going to be able to figure out ways. And like I said, the networks are being super helpful too. They're opening up archives of stuff that they own that they, you know, don't normally like to put into shows and they're being helpful in figuring out ways to get these shows on the air. That was my next question. What are your conversations like with the networks? What that's kind of 
probably be my part two is talking to networks, but what's your general feeling on their end? I've been really impressed with the networks. Um, they, I don't feel like they're panicking. I don't feel like it, it became any kind of hair on fire, but I do think they've, for the most part, given it a lot of careful thought. I don't, you know, I think they know what they need and they made some fast decisions. A lot of them made some fast decisions to fill some holes that they'll have, you know, because some shows to your point had to be pulled. Um, but they didn't go, I don't think they went overboard. And I think they're, the conversations are very, partner focus with, well, what, okay, what can you do? What do you think you can do? Here's what we might need. Uh, and really in a partnership way that, you know, has gone by the wayside sometimes a little bit in recent years. I know there's always been a lot of chatter about, you know, us wanting to be more partners with our buyers. And at least right now, I'm feeling like there's a really good partnership and trying to create content that can be done in the next 12 to 18 months. I mean, if that's not a silver lining, <laughs> I don't know 100%. what is. Right. It could change. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. been the last three years of doing this podcast is talking about the frustration that a lot of producers feel. So if this creates more of a partnership, like we're in this together, God, it was not worth it, but it was, but that's certainly a silver lining. For sure. I I definitely feel that way. Um, It's, you know, it's been really great to reach out to all these people that we've known all known for so long. And there is that feeling of community on both sides, whether you're a producer or a network exec, it's like, well, we all want to stay afloat and we all want to continue to create content. And to do that, we have to do this together. And I feel like we are. Yeah. So as the boss queen, as I like to call you, (laughs) what kind of skills have you had to draw from in terms of, I don't know, even psychologically, like keeping people calm and assuring them that they're not going to lose their jobs or that you can pivot and it will still work like what have you had to do for yourself that you haven't had to before um i think one of the biggest skills that i've been trying to exercise is really listening to everyone who works for us i think it's really important to hear what people are concerned about what their fears are what they're hoping for what would help them um being really understanding of the situations lots of people with little kids lots of people god bless them who are you know doing calls in closets and their cars and different places to try to find a quiet place. And if they can't and there's noise in the background, then so be it. There's noise in the background and just trying to be super appreciative of everything that everyone's juggling um, is definitely not that I, I don't think I've been kind to people before, but definitely to the forefront of my mind. Like I get it. If you have to push or that something's happening, everyone understands. Um, and I think learning to learning to brainstorm without being in the room is definitely from a developer standpoint, not impossible by any stretch. We're totally doing it and finding different ways to do it and putting groups together in different ways and kind of throwing out uh, starter questions in different ways than we usually do because, because you don't have that face-to-face where you have that chemistry and then the give and take. Um, so I think those are the two biggest things. And lastly, on a more personal note, I do follow you on social media and it looked like before all this broke, you were on a trip of a lifetime. It seems like oh, it was I, South I Africa. I was literally right before. I was in South Africa with my fiance. Uh, I had never been. He lived there for several years. Uh, so it was the first time I went back and got to spend some time and meet some of his oldest friends who I had never met before and go on safari. And it was, I mean, as anyone will tell you who's been there, it's spectacular and, and humbling uh, to be out there with those animals and to be in, we were mostly in Cape Town um, when we weren't out in the bush. And Cape Town is it's just, it's such a different city that it's really just fascinating and beautiful. And your timing is impeccable. Oh yeah. Yeah. We, we really just got back just in time. A week later, it would have been a little iffy. 
And then you came back to chaos. To chaos. But it's, it's you know, it brings people, it, look, there's nothing, no one wants this, obviously. Um, but there, you know, I, I think there will hopefully be some silver linings. You got to hope that there will be out of all the chaos and, and the sadness. So yeah, I like looking forward to those. Same. And I'm glad we're ending it on that note. Jody. it's always so good to see you and talk to you. Thank you for making time. I know you're so busy, so I really appreciate it. Anytime. It's nice to see you. Stay safe. You too. Stay sane. Yeah, that too. <laughs> okay, talk Bye. to you soon. Thank you, Jody. Okay, that was my chat with Jody Flynn. And you can see Shack Life every Thursday night at 9 p.m. on TNT. So next up is my old friend, Matt Sharp. Matt and I met each other at CBS back in the late 90s. We worked together at VH1 several years after that. And luckily for him, some interesting quarantine content is being done in the 90 Day Fiance world. We talk about that. He also tells me how producing Doomsday Preppers back in the day helped prepare him for this crazy time. Hi, Matt. Hi. I haven't seen you in a long time. I know. How well now we can zoom. Now we can now see we each can. other. I know this this has its silver linings, right? Yes. Well, first of all, I should set up that you and I have known each other. I was thinking about this this morning, longer than anyone I've ever had on the podcast in this industry, which is pretty impressive. <laughs> We've known each other since 1998. That's amazing. I know. You came to my wedding. I came to your wedding, the most gorgeous wedding ever. Oh, thank you. And Cape now Cod. what, four, four kids later? Five kids? I can't keep four. up. Four. <laughs> we have four, right? And we you- have four kids, 16 to nine, two boys and two girls. And how's everyone holding up? Everyone's fine. Um, this is, yesterday was day 28 of family quarantine. <laughs> oh my God. Um, yeah, right. So exactly a month. And, um, you know, I think everyone's doing, doing okay. You know, we have a son who's back from school, our 16 year old who was you know supposed to be going back to school and he had all these plans. And of course he's home with us, but his little brother who's nine is absolutely thrilled that he's here. Uh-huh. And then our two girls who are 14 and 12 are here too. And so everyone's kind of finding, finding a place. Um, my son and I are building a tree house together. We finally are building a tree house because we're like, we have nothing else to do. So <laughs> we're building a tree house in the backyard. We're trying to put on good dinners. Um, Wait, how do you know how to build a tree house? Um, I don't really. I mean, seriously, I like looking online. I'm like watching a lot of episodes of Treehouse Masters and be like, okay, that's how they did it. I mean, it's really, <clears throat> you know, I'm, you know, ordering wood from Home Depot, hoping I'm doing the right thing. I built a couple of uh, lofts in college. Really? So I was that guy. Yes. So no now anyway, we're building an absurdly large tree house, which I'm sure our neighbors are going to be like, wait, guys, what? Okay. What is that? Do you have zoning for that? <laughs> I said, trust me. I'm sure they'll be like, you gotta knock that down. Oh my gosh. Well, I wanted to talk to you for a while. As you know, we've been trying to do this forever. Yes. So today's yes. not going to be our comprehensive, the career of Matt Sharp, because we don't have okay. time for that. Good. Okay. <laughs> but it is going to be, I'm having a conversation with a few different producers that I'm going to get edit together okay. on how everybody's doing. And I wanted to talk to production <laughs> company owners, successful production company owners, and just see how everybody's holding up. I'm a little bit removed from the day to day with networks and production. So I was really curious to talk to people who are affected by it 
day by day. And of course, now that I live in LA, I tend to be a little bit LA centric, which is yes. really obnoxious. So I thought, right. who can I talk to in New York? And of course I thought of you first. So well, first you. of all, yeah. Tell me when it all changed for you guys. Was it the March 11th date that seems to be like the date that everyone started shutting down or when did, yeah. when did you was, guys decide that, that you had to the, shift things? Was that the, was the March 11th Thursday? Thursday? That was a Thursday. Yes. Yeah. So that's right. That's that was so, a magic so, um, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, particularly paranoid because, um, you know, you're talking to the executive producer of doomsday preppers, so, <laughs> you know, that's, I forgot that's a show that. Yes. So that's a show we did for a number of years and it's impossible to do that many episodes of that show without getting a little paranoid, Wow. you know, and in, in other tragedies, I've always been the guy that I'm frustrated because I was the last guy in line when, you know, Hurricane Sandy came through New York. I was the last guy in CBS, not, not, didn't have enough. Um, so I've actually been tracking this for a while. Who, you know, in January were calling us and saying, Oh, they just canceled school for the next three months. We're like three months or kids are out of school. Like, and it just felt bizarre. And I started kind of picking up on this and looking at stuff in, you know, all over Asia, Shanghai or Hong Kong. And, you know, you kind of do the math on a flu and in the world we live in, it's so international, obviously when we're in New York uh, and then it spread to South Korea and these other places. Um, I felt like it was inevitable that was going to come here. And so actually before the March 11th date, you know, a good month, I mean, maybe a month and a half, we started talking about it. Um, and we knew, we kind of looked at our business as a whole and said, okay, you know, let's, and people are, I think we're kind of looking at me like I was crazy. Like, what are you talking about? But I'm like, listen, this is, that's kind of part of your job. I think running a, you know, production company, if you're running the company, part of the job is like, we you know, try to avoid icebergs, you know, because you're the guy that's got everyone else's kind of their head down working on shows and this and that. It's like, look out for the iceberg. And, you know, and so a lot of times those icebergs, thankfully, don't happen, but you, you should have conversations about it. So like a month and it, about a month prior to all this going down, um, we started having conversations about what, what, what our business would look like, what we need to do to prepare if on such and such a date, and we were kind of looking at like mid-March dates, and actually that date kept kind of sneaking up, but, you know, if starting mid-March, we were, we could not be in the office for two months or we could not be in the office for four months or six months. And it became really clear looking at the scenarios, you know, and our, and our business and, and what, what we've already shot and what's in the can and, you know, the, the teams as well as the edit that while we would be okay, if we couldn't, if we couldn't shoot for, you know, two months or maybe even three months, um, we'd be totally screwed if we couldn't edit. And so about a month prior to this, <clears throat> I took steps to say, listen, we spent some real money. Um, we need to have the functionality. We have 150 edit stations. That's, 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 you know, Avid's, um, and that's for, for editors as well. Story producers, we needed to have the functionality to be able to access those remotely. And so we, you know, and I think, again, people were kind of looking at me like I was crazy and people were working really, really hard. And we got, you know, slowly but surely 
we ordered the right equipment. We got all these people. And as that date approached, it became more and more frantic. But, um, you know, up to that Thursday, we were working really, really hard. And then it was like, you know, this is, I think this is where everyone's shutting down in New York City. And we got out and, you know, it's, while we don't have 100% functionality, I'd say we have, we're at a 90% functionality from home. So people are working from home and obviously there's, you know, and it's, it's a pain in the ass for people because, you know, the, the computer glitches and, you know, all that. And it, I'm sure it makes every show that we're editing, um, it brings it to, you know, you know, if it was going to take you an hour before, it's going to take you an hour and 20 minutes or an hour and a half you know, to get that section. So we're actually asking our very nice network partners, lay back on the notes just a little during this time. We'd appreciate it. Uh, but we're, but we're moving forward. Listen, I mean, again, we're kind of still looking at the scenarios of, of what happens if we can't shoot in, in two months. I mean, I think even if we through July, we have kind of contingencies in place that, you know, we think that we can make our, we can make our deliveries, but, um, but beyond that, it gets, you know, we have to start thinking about other contingencies, whatever else. And you guys have so many shows going on at one time with just your franchise for 90 day, right? So how many yes. shows do you have in actual phases of production right now? And, mm-hmm. and are any of that, did any of them actually need to be physically shut down production wise because it was only in the shooting phase? We are, we are, we, we've got a lot of shows. I don't have the exact number in front of me, but <laughs> we have many. a lot of shows. Um, what's that? I said, it's that many. Yeah, yeah right. It was now, it's, but it's just like, but it's, it, you know, all the 90 day franchises, right. we've got uh, lots of, you know, for we and lifetime and yes, all these, um, we've had a couple of shows that right now we have, we've put a pause on because if, if they hadn't shot at all, you know, it makes sense or shot very little. It makes sense to say, let's, let's put a pause on a couple of these productions and let's talk about it in, in two months because, you know, they, they were entirely not shot. Um, and so we'll see what happens. But right now we, we still feel bullish somewhat, you know, and again, who knows how this whole thing goes down, but we feel bullish that if we're back out in the field in June, um, that we're going to be able to kind of get, get back, you know, get back up and continue to deliver. So is June the magic date that you're hearing or you're just saying that? Like, what are you hearing in terms of realistic? No, I mean, honestly, I don't know. I, you know, like, you know, my man Fauci, um, you know, we love him. We listen to him every night. We, you know, obviously Cuomo, uh, you know. Our new president. Cargman, my friend, she calls herself a Cuomo sexual. <laughs> um, she's obsessed with him. Um, um, so, uh yeah, I think everyone's saying different things. I think, you know, I, I just can't personally, and again, I'm not a scientist. I've, I've, I'm kind of looking at this a lot and I can't see how we, you know, you can't open up everything, right? I mean, I think there's going to be an antibody test coming up soon. Um, like, okay, you know, I think a lot of people have been exposed to this or had it, they didn't know we were asymptomatic, didn't have it. So there'll be a certain amount of people that can go back to work on that front. But I think like, if everyone just charges back to work and you're a place like New York and the flights resume and people are coming from Europe and Asia and everywhere else, and you're not testing like they do test in South Korea, I can't imagine this thing's not going back completely. I think there's going to be like a, 
you know, probably in stages getting back there. But I, yeah, I'm hearing, I mean, you know, I've heard like Fauci said last night, he said kind of by the end of May, um, which, you know, to people start getting back. Um, but, you know, so the question is like, if you're social distancing, everyone's got an antibody test, you're, you know, and, and you're shooting, how does, how does that whole thing work? Um, right. is I was going to ask in, you like, that. Hazmat seat? Right. Yeah. How do you, yeah, know, are you guys having those conversations about like, how are we going to shoot testimonials and how are we going to shoot Verite? Will it change how you do your shows? Going back to my man Fauci, he said um, that he can't imagine a world moving forward where people can sh- will shake hands. So yeah, of course. I mean, I think certainly in the short term productions in the field, if they're deemed safe, and it's like there's this kind of, you know, there's this half step we're all taking that's going to look completely different than it did before. And it, maybe incrementally, you know, certainly between that point and maybe broad vaccine um, that 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 world's going to look different. I think it's going to be social distancing. I think it's going to be a combination of people that have the antibody test, um, you know, and then wearing protective gear that doesn't, you know, that's not unlike something you'd see in like an ER play, you know, and of course we're also, we're also looking at our shows in terms of other ways to do things where, I don't know if you saw Elisa, we're doing, you know, 90 day quarantine. Yeah. Well, so so what is that? Talk about that for a minute. So that's, yeah. So that's, so that, that is a, a quick turn series that's happening now. 40 or so of our couples are self-shooting. So they're doing all, we're putting, basically this, this whole thing's putting us all out of business, Elisa, because we're going to realize like, wait, right? we don't need the producers anymore. <laughs> exactly. We didn't need you guys. Goodbye. Um, but um, so we're having 40 or so of the 90 day couples self-shoot as they go through this. And we're, we're actually remotely producing them so they, we've sent everyone, wow. I mean, this is, this is really, this is incredible. Talk about, you know, coronavirus quarantine land. We've, we sent everyone an iPhone 11, two of them and, you know, various equipment to, you know, to do interviews and walk them through, you know, how to set up a camera for you're both doing it or whatever else who's shooting and we're producing, you know, remotely. Okay. Here's the show we need. If you can make this happen, COVID proof. You will win all the Emmys. We need okay. to bring Ozan back to Florida, wherever yes. the hell Nicole lives, <laughs> and they need to quarantine together. And we need a totally. live cam on them twenty four seven. I would watch the shit out okay. of the show. Okay, good. Okay, good. Yes. Oh my god. Um, yes. Can you imagine? We do. I know. We, we. You know. I'm not sure you can get to the country. The the uh, right. This is the you point. know. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I'm not sure America you can get a passport needs. right now. Yeah, <laughs> no, he's, that's that's oh God. There's so many cups. That's going to be a good one because these couples are hanging by a thread. A lot of these couples are totally. hanging by a thread. Anyway, no, imagine them quarantined. Oh my God, so good. Well, I know. Well, it's, well, the, of course. Like you know, the idea is that you know, uh, you, you, you've done everything you possibly can to bridge the gap. You know, to be together, and now you're stuck together. <laughs> quarantined in a house. It's like, you know, what could possibly go wrong? 
this would be the idea you guys would have come up with if the pandemic didn't exist. Like this was going to be your next spinoff anyway. (laughs) So you're just lucky. You just got lucky. (laughs) All right. Last question. What did doomsday preppers teach you? What's the number one thing that that show taught you that helped you now? I think it's, I think it, it is be, um, prepared. What was, what was fascinating about doomsday preppers when we first started producing that show and we pitched that show, we really saw it as a odd subculture that these were people that were really on the fringe, almost not, not hoarders, but like people that were like so fringy that you would watch the show with your jaw open and say, I can't believe these people are doing this. And when, when that show first premiered and it became a, a huge rating success for Nat Geo, the research came back and we, what you realize is that people were watching that show with notebooks. They were taking notes on that show. <clears throat> they wanted to know, I mean, some of the, you know, some of the audience was watching that show for just the simple, I can't believe these people exist, <laughs> but a lot of people were saying, oh my God, look at that guy's water supply. There's something very primal about that. Um, and, you know, listen, these people have been on the fringe. Um, but I do think that if history tells us anything, that like we always expect that, that today is going to be just like yesterday. That's just where, that's our natural setting, right? Like <clears throat> that tomorrow is going to be just like today because it, t- it normally is, right? Like if the sun's going to come up, the whole thing. But if you look back at history, in a larger sense, it always changes, right? Like I'm not saying this is Rome, but obviously the Roman empire, there's a thousand years, of the Roman empire that went away. But during that span, people said, there's always going to be a Roman empire. So it's kind of like, I think just to, just to, to not assume that everything's going to be the same. I think be, be prepared, you know? And I think, you know, certainly probably that show made me, you know, 38% more paranoid when I was hearing about, because that was like a big topic. We talked about flus and pandemics and whatever else. That was a big topic in that show that I think was probably stuck somewhere, you know, back in my subconscious that said, let's just, you know, again, just, just as a pure survival and a business survival instinct, um, it's better to be prepared. Okay. I actually have one last, last question. Yes. In terms of the networks, and you said, you know, I hope you guys go easy on us because it's just taking us longer and things are a little rougher than usual. How do you think this whole pandemic will change the relationship, if at all, between production companies and networks? Everyone does realize that just to get a show out is, you know, it's an enormous task, right? And you're talking about all the different things that have to happen to deliver a, a show, um, and you're usually working from, a, you know, a big office with edit machines and, you know, all the equipment you need to do that. Um, and people are now doing it from, you know, the, the, the corner of their bedroom from a computer. <laughs> so uh, I think there's a real understanding there. And um, yeah, I mean, I, listen, I think there is definitely a sense at this point that we're all in this together and we have that conversation all the time. And I think the audience is forgiving too, right? Like, I mean, yeah, they are point. not, we're not going to get viewer mail from anyone <laughs> if they feel like, Oh, that was that, that scene felt a little rough. In fact, you know, a lot of the, you know, certainly for our industry, you know, 
people like the people like the you know the authenticity. So I think that that's that's it kind of it kind of goes in that direction. So I think, but but yeah, I mean we feel we feel like right now we're all we're definitely we're in this together, and not only us and networks, but us and other production companies and the whole community. I, mean, I feel like like we have to be you know, kind of thinking about everyone else, not, not only from a safety perspective, but also we, there are a lot of people that are out of work too. And we're doing everything we can on our end to make sure that everyone you knows can continue to move forward. Well, that's great to hear. <laughs> I'm happy that you guys planned early. Things are going as well as they possibly can. You're getting new business out of it. Those are all really positive developments. So I'm well, very happy you. for you, my friend. Continue good health and sanity through all of this. Thank and hopefully you, you next too. time we talk, we'll be in person and I can really grill That'll you. Be good. Closer than six feet, but we will not hug or, or shake hands. <laughs> <laughs> we'll air kiss. Right, exactly. All right. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Talisa. 